Welcome, inclusion allies. You are listening to the Sip and Sam Inclusion Coffee Talk, a collaborative conversation focused on creating inclusive opportunities for all students. This podcast is brought to you by the Supporting Inclusive Practices Project, SIP, and Changing Perspectives. We are your hosts, Janelle Mercado and Sam Drazen. A special thank you to the California Department of Education for funding this project, along with the El Dorado and Riverside County Offices of Education for their ongoing support of inclusion for all students, including students with disabilities. If you are committed to being an inclusion ally, this podcast is for you. So I am thrilled to introduce our next guest speaker, filmmaker Amanda Lukoff, grew up advocating for her sister, Gabrielle, especially whenever she heard the word retarded, which is so hard for me to actually say in this bio. With her feature film debut, The R Word, she unravels the history and lasting effects of this word through the lens of the sibling experience, captivating animation sequences and self-advocates speaking truth to power, ultimately making the case for why the conversation surrounding people with intellectual and developmental disabilities needs to change. The R Word is an unflinching, heartwarming, humorous and hopeful journey through our shared human experience. The R Word premiered at both South by Southwest Education Conference and the Real Abilities Film Festival in 2019 and later received educational distribution with Women Make Movies in 2020. Amanda was a recipient of the 2019 Champions Award from the National Inclusion Project for her work and advocacy. Amanda lives in Arlington, Virginia with her husband and two young daughters and is a proud agitator and activist for racial and social justice. Amanda, thank you for being with us today. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I was trying to think of ways to summarize my reactions after watching the film, The R Word. And it's a combination of so many experiences. I felt like I went through a little journey of being inspired, crying. So yes, get your tissues before you watch the film, but also hilarious, laughing so hard at the end. And for those of you who haven't seen it, you have to watch it to the very end. So I'm dying to ask you, Amanda, just share a bit about your journey in making the film. What inspired you and how did you get here? Well, thank you so much for your kind words about the film. You know, I hope that all of that, if when folks watch it, that all of that comes through the, you know, not just the, you know, the humanity, but also the humor, because there's, if there's not humor in life, I mean, what are we all doing? What are y'all doing here, right? So as far as my inspiration for the film, for those of you that haven't seen it, um, I grew up with an older sister with Down syndrome, Gabrielle. And our relationship and her being in my life uh, definitely is this like single greatest learning experience of my life, no question. Um, and so kind of once I discovered my passion and interest in film and media, I knew that I wanted to do something that was inspired um, by our relationship. I mean, people say when you, you know, especially if you're going and making a documentary film that you want to, you want to make something that you have access to something that you're passionate about. So when the idea came, I wasn't sure if I wanted it to be how personal I wanted it to be, if I wanted it to be about literally about me and Gabrielle, about our family. Um, and so after I started doing some research um, and 
I kept the, the stories that kind of kept resonating with me were sibling stories. Wasn't an accident, right? That's the lens that I experienced the R word through. And I also voracious documentary um, film watcher. And I've seen over the years, you know, different films about specific disabilities, different films about specific individuals with disabilities, but I had not seen anything that really confronted language and the power of language and how, you know, language um, impacts our attitudes and then vice versa, our attitudes impact language. So, um, you know, that's kind of when the idea came about. I mean, we're talking about back in 2009, the idea came together, but it took another five or so years of just kind of doing research off and on before I could start like pre-production. And we did a crowdfunding campaign, raised $50,000 so we could hire a cinematographer. And we flew cross country and filmed with um, a bunch of self-advocates and families and um, different thought leaders all over the country. Then we took about a year to, to put together a rough cut of the film and I got pregnant. So we were like, we got to finish this before I don't have any time on my hands. So um, we were able to finish that in 2019 and then premiered at South by Southwest EDU and at the Real Abilities Film Festival. And um, the, the response has been overwhelming. I mean, the film's been seen all over the world as far as uh, Singapore and Australia. Um, we've been seen at universities and hospitals and advocacy organizations. And um, and that's actually how I met Sam was at South by Southwest um, EDU back in 2019. So um, it's been one of the greatest joys and gifts of my life. And um, I don't know, sometimes I'm like, I can't believe that I, we, we actually did it. Like it's here and it's, it's impacting people's lives and it's, it's making a difference. What I also appreciate so much about the film is the various perspectives that are coming into the documentary or the voices that are being lifted. We are talking so much in our podcast series, how important it is that we are lifting up the voices of the disability community. And that includes individuals with disabilities and their families, because it is such a unique perspective. We did a podcast with Emily recently, and we're talking about how unique the experience is for each individual, but there is also these collective themes that come through. And what I noticed being the collective theme in the film was every single family member and every single sibling said, I just want to be understood and I just want to live a quote unquote normal life, like do activities that everyone else wants to do, go camping, go biking, go swimming. And I just, I really appreciate that perspective from the family voices also. Well, and thank you for pointing that out. I, you know, that was really important when we were, you know, put, putting the film together and wanting to make sure that folks like my sister, other individuals with disabilities, that, that not only that their humanity was really shown and highlighted in the film, but to kind of show that, you know, the nuances of that and the fact that, you know, just like, um, uh, folks, you know, people of color, people on the LGBTQ um, IA um, spectrum that they, you know, they're not a monolith and individuals with disabilities also are not a monolith. So my sister's experience, which, you know, I think another reason why I want to show it is because she's, she's lived quite a life. She's done things that are 
you know, that, that, that folks that are um, neurotypical or uh, do not have a disability, you know, we have, and we go through, you know, ups and downs in our lives. So it was really important, um, you know, to show that, to share her story. And, um, you know, there's a part in the film where she says, um, I just want to be treated just the same as my sister's. And just, you know, something just that simple and that she felt that growing up and we felt that for her. And so um, I think a lot of times people, people haven't been exposed to or don't have the gift that we have right to know and love people with disabilities. So wanting to, um, you know, to distill it down to just wanting to be treated like everybody else, I think was really important. To kind of piggyback on that, Amanda, I think one of the things that's so important for our listeners to really be reminded of is that disability is essentially the largest minority in the world, right? Everybody knows somebody, whether it's a friend, whether it's a friend who has a sibling, whether it's a, you know, everybody is connected to disability in one way or another. And one of the pieces of your film, which I think is really kind of important is kind of recognizing the sibling relationships. And I'm wondering if you could tell our listeners a little bit more about, you know, what are some examples of ways in which inclusion matters and benefits everyone? How, when we do things in an inclusive way, it doesn't just support individuals with disabilities, but perhaps supports their friends, their families, et cetera. You know, I think that there's some data that I've, you know, came across when I was in production of the film that siblings of individuals with disabilities learn empathy at a much younger age than their peers that do not have a sibling with a disability. And so, you know, I think that siblings are kind of the perfect model for why inclusion not only matters, but why inclusion works, because there's no question that my relationship with Gabrielle made me a more compassionate, more understanding person and and really informed how I see the world, how I interact with the world. So kind of on a very fundamental level, inclusion can really open everyone up to understanding our shared humanity and why it's important that maybe we don't learn the same, maybe we don't walk the same or talk the same. But I think that once people have exposure and have an opportunity to go to school with, live next to, work with an individual with a disability, I think one, they realize they're not that different than than, than anyone else. Two, there's a lot that they can learn from someone with a disability. Three, that they are just like everyone else and deserve the same respect and the same opportunities as everyone else. Everyone is only as limited as, you know, the opportunities that they are afforded. And so I, I firmly believe, I mean, my Gabrielle was fortunate enough to go to, to school. We had the privilege, my parents were able to, to pay for her to go to um, a boarding school for exceptional children. And she went through school and, and got a job in the open community. And then what, you know, lived in a group home and got a competitive job and was traveling and doing all of these things. And so we thought it was really important growing up to treat her like all of us. No one walked on eggshells. We cursed at her. She cursed right back at us. I think my point was just that if you want kind of the perfect example of why inclusion works and why inclusion matters, you look no further than than siblings and why I think highlighting the sibling stories and the sibling relationships in the film, kind of one of the criteria that we're looking at for the for the families that we followed was the a sibling advocate that did something exceptional because 
because of their relationship with their siblings. So one of the siblings does triathlons with his brother who has cerebral palsy. One helped co-found a camp for individuals with Down syndrome. And the other one help to have law, the federal and um, state level laws changed to take the R word out of, out of laws. So, um, and that's just a couple of examples. I think what's, what you're really highlighting is not only how exceptional it is to be a sibling and the benefits gained in just having that love and compassion and nurturing and empathy, but also what I hear you highlighting and I think is so important to think about in inclusive schools and inclusive societies is we all have something to learn from each other. There is something so valuable about learning that we all have difference and that is a hundred percent. Okay. And we all have value. That's the other thing, right? Like we all have value. Everyone has value and everyone should have the opportunity to be heard and to have a seat at the table. And I think that if those that are the most marginalized, if they are taken care of, if they are healthy, if they are treated with respect, then everybody obviously is right. So, so it's like making sure that, that, um, like I said, that they have a seat at the table, then I think that 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 benefits everybody in so many ways. We've talked in our other podcasts about fear of having conversations and and misconceptions about the disability community. What do you think are still some of those large misconceptions about people with intellectual disabilities? I know this was something in the film that you were really trying to extract and highlight. Yeah. And that's a great question. I think that, and one of the ways that I was trying to maybe dispel some of those misconceptions was just by highlighting my, my sister, Gabrielle, because like I mentioned earlier, there are things that she has struggled with that everyone does, whether it's struggling with your weight, being in a relationship that might not be the best for you, wanting to be, have a companion, but having challenges there, challenges with your job. So, you know, those are things that we touch on and that she talks about in a very just direct way, like this stuff happened to me. And I think that you'd be surprised, even though we have come a very long way in, you know, in recent decades, but we still have a long way to go. People with disabilities, you know, are some of the most dehumanized and marginalized individuals in our society. But I think that our people would just have no idea how truly intelligent she is, how funny she is, how what a hard worker she is. So I think that I wanted to, I mean, I wanted people to hear self-advocates speaking for themselves. I think that's another thing. I think that I don't know if there's necessarily a plethora of opportunities for people with, with disabilities to really say, Hey, this is how I feel. This is how, for instance, the R word affects me, how it impacts me. It makes me feel I'm human. I deserve respect. So I, so that was another reason why we wanted to have self-advocates in the film speaking directly into camera, um, looking straight at the camera and, and saying that. So it's like, I'm not saying it. Listen to, to you know, my sister um, saying it for, for herself. So I think that misconceptions being that they're not, that they're not smart, that they don't work, that they don't maybe want to be in relationships or that, you know, there's a lot of misconceptions about people with disabilities that uh, or people with Down syndrome that maybe they're also sweet and simple and I think you hit on a lot of the misconceptions, Amanda, and it's great to hear you share from that sibling perspective, because it's the same sort of themes that Janelle and I have heard from uh, other guest speakers on this podcast series, this kind of invisibility where people don't see people with disabilities 
this idea of dehumanizing them, you know, that people with disabilities are less than people without this idea of treating the disability as if it isn't there, but seeing the person in a different way. Mm -hmm. So I think you've hit on a lot of the ones that we've heard pretty consistently. I want to kind of bring the conversation back to the film here because, you know, I've had the pleasure of of watching the film several times and, and working with Amanda on some projects around the film. And every time I watch it, something else strikes me. I leave with a new thought, a new aha moment, a new sort of hesitation. And I'm wondering, like, straight from the mouth of the filmmaker, Amanda, like, what are like the three things that you really hope people walk away from watching the film? Oh, that's a good question. But it's uh, okay. So I think that it's it's something that I've I've said kind of numerous times um, during this conversation is one to walk away seeing and hopefully understanding our shared human experience, right? That we all are part of the same human family, um, regardless of, you know, if we are neurotypical or have a disability. I think that that's that's one. So humanizing my sister and, and other individuals with disabilities, I think Another takeaway definitely would be the power of our words and the fact that people might not think, I mean, now that the word retarded or mental retardation is not technically not not the medical terminology for an individuals with intellectual or developmental disabilities. I think that the fact that there is a disconnect with especially the kind of the youngest generation that we have who maybe didn't come up with the word, but but it lives in, you know, social media, films, TV, music, literature. It's it's still very ever present, but I think there's a disconnect behind the fact that that word has so much baggage and history behind it. And I believe cannot be disconnected from the individuals, the community that is so closely connected to it. Hopefully everyone think taking a step back after watching this film and thinking about like thinking before they speak. I know it's very pie in the sky. Like, can we all just be more kind, but at a foundational level, like that's is kind of what I want people to, to think about putting the film together. We filmed, like I said, off and on for three months, we filmed hours and hours and hours. And, you know, we had to whittle it down to 60 minutes. So there were some amazing interviews and and, and clips from interviews and nuggets of conversations that weren't able to be part of the film. And one of them was from an individual, a thought leader that we had in the film named Jabari Asim, who wrote a book called The N-Word. And um, he was lamenting the fact that when folks come up to him, maybe about the N-Word and they're like, oh, what's the big deal? I don't mean anything by it. He always says, I think that you're struggling from a lack of imagination. Like there are how many thousands of words in the English language and you're stuck on this one and you know that it's it's causing harm, it's detrimental to, to folks and, and, and their loved ones. Like, why would you still want to use that? So anyway, that's just one like amazing nugget that we weren't able to include. Um, but words matter. And, and words are powerful. So that's number two. And then number three, I think, I hope that after watching this film that folks see the important, like see, S-E-E, see, see my sister, right? To piggyback off what Sam said, see, like see folks with disabilities and, and something as simple as like just waving or acknowledging them, giving a nod, saying hello, goes a long way. And people might not know that, but for a long time, people with disabilities have not been seen 
And um, like you said, Janelle, you know, the, the kind of one of the themes that kept popping up through the film is in se- the self-advocates in their families wanting to just live a live a life, their own life, just like everyone else. And I think being seen and heard is it is, is something that they also really crave. Amanda, I loved some of the research that you highlighted in the film and One of them being that, you know, talking about the number of people and those who have heard others use the R word and how Mm -hmm. it's being used. And the fact that nine out of 10 kids said, yeah, we hear it all the time. But then two out of 10 said, (laughs) oh, yeah, I use it. But no. And then. And then I think what was really um, fascinating to highlight is taking that research to the next level of how many people interrupt the ableist thinking and conversation when you do hear the word or you do hear people with ableist thinking talking about individuals with disabilities in from a deficit model, from a deficit Mm -hmm. thinking of less than or othered. I mean, do you have some after doing after doing all the work that you did? to create this brilliant film. Do you have some suggestions for our listeners on how to engage in those conversations, how to interrupt the cycle and really be that ally for individuals with disabilities? That's such a good question. And it's such a challenging question because even now as an an adult, I mean, it wasn't easy when I was a kid, when I was a child, like speaking up for, you know, in defense of my sister against that word. Cause that was, I say like that, you know, whenever I heard the R word and spoke up about it, I mean, that was kind of the, the, my earliest instances of being an advocate for my sister. And then I said, this film's kind of a continuation of that advocacy, if you will. It wasn't easy then. And it's not, it's not easy now. Um, and I don't have, I don't have the right answer. I can tell you that I asked Loretta Claiborne, who's one of the um, self-advocates and thought leaders and just an incredible human being who's, I refer to her as the, is the, the godmother of the R word movement. I mean, she's, she's gives the sticks and stones um, talk at schools has done it since the eighties. She's a global ambassador for the special Olympics and is just a world renowned um, speaker and Special Olympics athlete and just an incredible human being. And one day, cause I kept getting that question and I called her and I was like, Loretta, I don't, I don't, I don't have the, the perfect answer. I, I don't, you know, what, what would you, what would be your advice? What would you? And she said something to the effect of, it almost doesn't matter what you say. It's, it's the fact that you're saying something, right? Like that's half the battle is too, because so many, I'm going to have so many of us, and I'm probably guilty of it too. Like when you hear it in the moment, you're like, oh, it just, it's not, oh, it's, oh, they just walked away. Like it's, you know, it's never convenient. It's never easy. So I think she was just trying to say that, that because that is as hard as it is that like just speaking up in general, it doesn't matter what you say, that that's the most important thing. Um, But I, I have young children. And so I always think, and I always say to them and say to their friends and and other folks who kind of ask me about this is like, they'll put yourself in someone else's shoes. And and Connor Long, whose brother Caden, um, uh, they're the sibling duo that did the um, uh, triathlons together. And and, and Caden has cerebral palsy. What Connor said in the film you know, that if you put yourself in someone else's shoes, then you can really start to understand why, why words matter, why, um, 
you know, a word like that dehumanizes individuals with disabilities. So that's kind of my, you know, I would say just not, you know, don't want to make you feel bad or anything, but that word um, is really hurtful. And so that's where I would start. Do you guys have any, um, you know, uh, advice as far as when that happens, when you're like, what, what's works for you, for either one of you? I'd love to know. <laughs> I, I would say um, for me, I, I personally cannot go on in the conversation without addressing it. Yeah. That's just me. But um, I feel that I have the privilege to use my voice and yep. to have had so many amazing experiences to learn from individuals from and families from the disability community to be able to deeply, deeply understand why the, the language is so hurtful. Mm-hmm. At the same time, it doesn't always make me the the favorite person in the room. And that can be a challenge, um, even within my own personal friend circle or family and people who are just not as not sadly, it's just not necessarily common language for people to, or or I should say the opposite is unfortunately it's still too Too common. common. Mm -hmm. It's too commonly used. And so immediately you get the response of, well, I didn't mean it like that. Right. I didn't mean to say something mean. And it's like, no, I know you didn't, but here's what that actually means. So right. Intention versus impact. Correct. Yeah, absolutely. Perfectly said. I think it's that idea, you know, in a previous podcast, we had spoken um, about the idea of ableism Mm. and within ableism and ableistic perspective, I like to break it down with intentional and unintentional ableism, Mm -hmm. right? Just how there could be intentional and unintentional racism. And so I think that, you know, I think one of the things that I really stood out in the film for me is all of the examples of unintentional ableism, unintentional harm, Mm -hmm. unintentional negativity through the use of the R word, whether it's in conversation, whether it's in media and songs Mm -hmm. or comedians. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Amanda, we um, are coming to the end of our time today. Um, thank you so much for, for I love in your bio that you put the word a proud agitator. Yes. So I want to thank you, thank <laughs> you for being a proud and active agitator in the world and really helping people realize the negative impacts that this word has and the history that this word has and the way that we can be better aware and shift our mindset and shift our our thought process around how we can use language in a way to cultivate more inclusive societies rather than continue to perpetuate an exclusive society. Um, For all of our listeners who are super intrigued and on the edge of their seat um, and want to know how they can get access to watch your brilliant film, um, how can our listeners see your film? Thank you, Sam. Um, I, I before before I let everyone know, I, I I just wanted to add that I think that you know difficult conversations, right? It's sometimes that's the starting point. Some people just can't like can't can't even get past that. So so my hope is that this film that's and that's the power of film and this medium is that 
you know, it can approach and help really dissect and distill down messages of things like inclusion and why language, you know, how power, the power of language. So I hope that, you know, this film can, I think this film can help start difficult conversations. And that's kind of one of the reasons I wanted to make it. So just appreciate the platform, appreciate this conversation, appreciate you all so much and the important work that you do. So thank you guys for being rock stars. And for those folks that are interested in in, in checking out the film or learning more about it, please go to our website, therwordfilm.com. We have a trailer on there. There's a little bit more information about the film. We were fortunate enough to get um, educational distribution with Women Make Movies. And so they handle the day-to-day sales and we're still kind of in the phase of getting licensing the film, but I think we are going to be doing, I think we might be doing a personal kind of DVD sales for just home use. Um, but at a certain point, we're going to be doing streaming and stuff like that. So please check out the website, therwordfilm.com. Send me an email. I'll put you on your information on our email distribution list so you get updates about the film. But um, just thank you all for your time and thank you all for, for helping to make the world a more inclusive place. Gosh, thank you, Amanda. I feel like we could talk all day. All day, all day long, all day long. (laughs) Right? But thank you for being here and for bringing this film to us. It's truly a gift to, to anyone who watches it. So if you haven't seen it, check it out. You've been listening to Sip and Sam Inclusion Coffee Talk. We're creating an inclusion revolution. So subscribe, follow, and join us on the front lines. To never miss an episode, subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. To inspire others to become an inclusion ally, please rate our podcast and share it with others. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Sip Inclusion. Thanks so much for listening and we look forward to you joining our next episode.